Hello and welcome to All Villa No Villa, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team, though I think it's safe to say we don't currently look like we're among the world's elite, but could a new manager make the difference? We talk about managers linked to Villa as Steven Gerrard struggles to get the team firing. We also will look ahead at the Chelsea game, or look back on the Chelsea game rather, and look ahead to the upcoming games. It seems like quite a crucial week, Frankie. Uh, but before we crack on with all that, how have you been? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all good. Uh, nothing too exciting to report. Uh, I played for the London Lions uh, the, in, the, in the Supporters League, the Aston Villa support uh, London Lions. And we uh, we beat PSG 2-0 the other day. Um, <laughs> some great teamwork from the lads. And it always feels good to beat uh, a uh, team run by um, a nation state. So, well, obviously <laughs> not the supporters team, Mark, but you know, I'll just claim it was. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun. Get involved. If you're in London, uh, just find AVFC London lines online. It's great, great group of people. Well done, Frankie. Well, we, we, it's funny you mentioned PSG because we'll mention some managers that have been linked with us who have actually managed PSG, all three of them, uh, one after the other, which is quite an interesting uh, uh, statistic. But let's start by talking about the um, the Chelsea game first, very briefly. Oh, yeah. um, what did you make of it? It was quite an interesting one, wasn't it? We sort of both predicted that it was going to be a close game and to be fair in terms of opportunities it was it was and mm. and arguably you could say Villa were the better side particularly in the first half but how did how did you see it yeah it slightly reminded me of the Tottenham game last season where we got beaten 4-0 where um kind of conceded a very early silly goal from a mistake I remember Son scored very early doors last season against us and same again this year Mason Mount he hasn't scored all season and then you know we go and gift him a goal I mean that the mistake from Mings was just. Oh my god! Um, man. It's just. You, I mean, we we I say it all the time. We really like Mings. Obviously, the yeah. Villa's defense generally is better when he's in it, but he does have one of them howlers in him every now and again. Did and, you did you see the um the image that was doing the rounds on social media after the game of uh, it was the moment that he, oh, <laughs> yeah 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 he realised that he had headed it straight back to Mason Mount. Mason Mount sort of the picture is Mount just sort of taking that touch to score past uh, <laughs> Martinez, and he's just like sort of standing there. Like, yeah. Oh dear! It's oh, like dear. all of my friends and family watching me live my life, just like what is he doing? What is he doing? I know. I think another account had basically uh, put a put a white background or a green background behind that image of Mings just standing there looking dumbstruck, <laughs> and and loads of people posted like him being photoshopped into famous sort of historical <laughs> yeah, scenes. Yeah. Like he's at T- he's at Tiananmen Square in front of the tanks and stuff. <laughs> Those tanks would have turned around and driven away with Mings there. They Absolutely, headed yeah. them away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, so yeah, I mean, it was two inexplicable mistakes for the Emmy Martinez as well. He, he took. It's when goalkeepers take that one step to the wrong side and they're just mm. left for dead, aren't they? Sometimes it happens, but yeah, two poor goals and. Um, Tons of chances. Kepper turned into goal, the best goalkeeper of all time, briefly, for uh, yeah. about the first half. And you could just sense when, once those chances weren't going in that, you know, Chelsea were always likely to create another. Almost got it through Raheem Sterling, but eventually got the second. And um, the substitutions then just, you know, Chelsea have much better options than we do uh, to change the game, really. And 
Villa at two 0 down. We weren't really. I mean, we were about to send Buendia on when it went to two 0 So you know, maybe mm. it could have made some difference. But by then, you're just thinking, come back from two 0 against Chelsea is going to be a, a tall ask. And uh, yeah, disappointing. It's it. In a way, you know, people were saying to me, it'd be like classic Villa to get a result against Chelsea. But I was kind of like, I don't know. I think classic Villa would be to have a lot of chances, look okay. <laughs> Still concede a silly goal, and then come you come away thinking, how have we narrowly lost that game? Yeah, um, and it was just one of them. And uh, yeah, I don't think it's really on Gerard that game so much. I think it was more just the chances didn't go in and two mistakes that are kind of inexplicable, really. So it was, uh, yeah, just a very uh, we've been there before, uh, but frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of the, the the story of our season anyway, regardless of the chances that we created, uh, which were bountiful. Um, they didn't hit the back of the net, which is which has been the problem kind of all season. Either we're not creating the chances or when we do, there's some incredible goalkeeping or defending, which is preventing uh, yeah. those goals going in, which is obviously frustrating. I agree. I, I You can't, I don't think, pin that result on Gerard, and I, and I did feel that as soon as those really big first half chances didn't go in, I was like, and particularly after as well, we conceded so early, I thought, no, there's only one way this is going. And in the second yeah. half, I think Chelsea kind of turned the screw. There were some tactical changes that Graham Potter made, which um, sort of solidified um, Chelsea defensively and they closed the game out. Um, and and that was, that was that. But as we said in our previous show, the games against Chelsea and the like, the top six clubs, they're not going to define our season. But what are are the upcoming games against Fulham and Brentford that we we mentioned. It feels like a really pivotal week for Steven Gerrard, doesn't it? What with the Completely. the uh, the the reports and rumors who could replace him if 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 it goes belly up against uh those two teams. So um if we talk about those games first of all and then and then move on to the managers we've been <clears> linked <throat> with if they don't go our way. Hmm. Do you think um out of those two are there are there is there is there one which stands out for you as 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 the must win or the game that we really need to focus our attention on? I'd say Brentford at home is probably the must win, uh, the one the board will most look at to must to, to win. Um, Fulham away, well, you know, like Fulham, they haven't been in great form actually. Um, drew two all at home with Bournemouth, lost three one at West Ham, lost four one at home against Newcastle, just edged out Forest three two. So, I mean, I, I, what I would say about Fulham is is although their form has been patchy, they do seem to be stronger at home. And certainly when Mitrovic is playing, he scored mm. his seventh goal of the season against, um, against uh, Brentford. Yeah. So he's, he's a man in form that, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's the game where I'm, I would anticipate that we might not get anything from it. I remain optimistic, but I, I would say Fulham probably, I would argue they'd go into that game as favorites. Yeah. I think that's the one I'd look at and think will, it'll be a, a night game, you know, Quite a, maybe is Fulham a loud atmosphere? Not not one that sticks out to me, but it's still it's still a vibe, isn't it? It's a night game vibe, definitely. And it's and it's one of those ones where you know it's it's an old fashioned ground, and the fans are close to the pitch. And if they can generate an atmosphere, particularly yeah. it being an evening kickoff, you'd think that it would it would certainly favour them. And Dan James, you know, is at Fulham now, and he caused us a few problems for Leeds last season. Um, so, you know, and they're playing 4 2 3 1. So, if our fullbacks get four, get caught, Dan James and I think it was Cabano, uh, they could probably get in behind and get, you know, get a ball into Mitrovic and that's it. I mean, if I was to predict it, I think it would be 2 0 to Fulham. 
I think it'll be Mitrovic two goals and a Mitrovic, one being a penalty, one maybe a header from a corner or just something. And and I hate to be like in this kind of a sort of a state as a Villa fan, not feeling really any optimism going anywhere at the moment or playing anyone. But um, I just don't really hold out much confidence for Fulham, even though they're not a very good side and they're not particularly in very good form. And look, I think we can cause them problems. But as we've demonstrated against Nottingham Forest away, against 10-man leads away, um, we're just not a team that creates chances. I mean, yes, the Chelsea game, we, we have, it, it's kind of similar to when we played City earlier this season when, you know, we step it up a little bit against the biggest, the the better sides, I guess, who have to take the game to us. But when you've got teams like Forrest and, and Fulham or whoever who can just sit back and sort of invite us to go at them, we just, I don't know, we just don't seem capable of um, creating chances, which leaves you to wonder its, it's shape, its pattern. It's all, it's the final third, um, it's form. Um, and basically, you know, we have 4,000 coaches and we don't look coached in the final third. We have a specialist attacking coach in Aaron Danks and we don't know what to do. So, you know, they obviously are working on things at Bodymore Heath, but um, just a, a constant running theme of Gerard's year in, 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 in power, in power, in charge, is... Um, that uh, we're at a stage now where I, we feel like, I personally feel like we've almost regressed or at, at best stood still and um, look like a team who just can't create chances against teams like a Forest, a Leeds, and subsequently possibly Fulham and a Brentford. Do, do, do you think then if, if it is a um, comprehensive win for Fulham, and I, w- I would mm. suggest maybe 2-0 is, is comprehensive or at least comfortable for them, do you think the owners will be analysing that performance and could make a call on Gerard's future after that game if it does if it does end that way? Yeah, I, to be honest, like it it was um, a friend of mine called Gav who, again is part of the London Lions who made a good point to me the other week where he said that we're kind of waiting on a result that's similar to when Villa lost two 0 against Hull in 2015 when Paul Lambert was in charge, mm. and I distinctly remember that game coming away from it and feeling like Villa had sort of just been outside the relegation zone for most of that season and Hull were I think bottom or in the bottom three and very poor and we were out just just beaten badly 2-0 at Hull and it, that was the moment where I thought oh my god it's like for the first time in my life I'm going to see Aston Villa get relegated like it's going to happen um, but it was just and that's when tactics Tim Sherwood came in shortly after to to save the day temporarily and then um and then uh, it feels a bit like that. I think it's a two 0 at Fulham or um, a, a a draw even or a loss against Brentford at home, and you know the fans are probably not going to take it well. The atmosphere could turn, and Furzo's in the ground, Lang is in the ground. The, the mm. owners will know about it, um, and the fact that there's no sign of this continuous improvement that Perzo himself referenced last year, I think it probably is time, and I think it probably is going to happen if. Maybe even after Fulham, if we lose, um, that Gerard maybe moves on. Um, in which case, you would hope they have a manager lined up to replace him. Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, if we talk about sort of then the, the the Brentford game briefly, I know I know we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves, really, because as you say, the Fulham game could actually be the the defining one. But yeah. if um, if we manage to scrape through that one and, and go on to the Sunday game then against Brentford, yeah. um, you'd imagine, as you say, at Villa Park. The Villa fans will be will be demanding a win. I, I don't think anything less than a win. I think would be acceptable. Um, mm. uh, but you know, Brentford. 
are one of those tricky sides. I think we've we've always really struggled against Brentford, even in the Championship. They were always a team that yeah. we come up against and really, really struggle against. They've been a well coached, well drilled side for 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 years, and are, you know more than holding their own in the Premier League now mm. under uh, Thomas Frank, another name we've kind of loosely been linked with. But I, I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? He'll he'll stay at Brentford. Um, but uh, yeah, they've got a player in form in in, in Ivan Tony, um, some other you know very very gifted skilled players at kind of this this level now um mm. so you'd think that would be absolutely a i mean i wouldn't even call it a banana skin i think again brentford might go into that game as, as narrow favorites themselves yeah well the th- well the thing i'm not sure they'd be fair as so, so I, I can't say that they've won away this season brentford i don't think they have actually um the last away game uh was uh newcastle where they got beat 5-1 uh right, and then yeah. um another away game Bournemouth, they drew nil nil. Uh, Palace, they drew one all. So I mean, they're not, you know, drawing one all. Palace nil nil. Bournemouth away. It's not, you know, these are not terrible results. The Newcastle one, uh, that's pretty bad. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't know. They they mix up their formation. You're just looking at Ivan Tony, and you're thinking our habit of allowing strikers to score, um, like him, will probably come to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you never know. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot a lot of Villa fans maybe are listening to this podcast and thinking like, God, they sound so down, so morose. I think that's a general vibe across most Villa fans at the moment. That there's a sense of like that it's all going a bit, not like, you know, 2015 era disaster, but it's just petering out at the moment um, under Gerrard. And um, as I say, going into games with no real confidence, um, I, I think what I, I would bet on against Brentford is that it's not uh, a great watch for the neutrals, as seemingly all of our games are. Um, yeah. But I, I do, I would bet on Ivan Tony scoring against us. Um, I'd get, is I'd bet a, on Brentford getting a goal. Is he a Blues fan? I remember there was there was that thing about the uh, the sort of Zulu celebration uh, he did a couple of seasons ago. Was it a couple of seasons ago? It was, it was last season, yeah. He went to sort of Villa yeah. Park and he, I That's think right. it was his agent's a Birmingham fan. Right. So I think he maybe told him to do that Zulu symbol. So yeah, I think mean, my, my overall view is, I think, yes, we can beat Fulham and Brentford and we can get six points here. Mm-hmm. Um, on In our current form and under our current coaching and management, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But you know, I, I, you know, you never. Football's weird, you know. You never know. Like it can, it, we could turn up tomorrow at Fulham, and suddenly we just actually, you know, off the back of Chelsea, suddenly we're like, oh, actually, we, we played all right today, and yeah. somehow got a win at Fulham. Um, it, but um, yeah, I wouldn't put a bet on it. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, I mean, as as we've been saying, if if things go drastically wrong at Fulham and Brentford um obviously over the last few days I don't think we can escape talking about particularly the strong links with uh Pochettino um yeah. you know we've had there were the reports in the Telegraph uh a couple of days ago or even yesterday about about Villa now in talks with him in terms of seeing whether he might be receptive to the idea I mean it's a really ambitious uh target yeah. um I mean, I don't know where you stand on him in particular, but we've also been linked with, also ambitiously, uh, Unai Emery and um, and Thomas Tuchel. You know, yeah. they're, they're they're big, big names that all play in a similar sort of way. They like their teams to press high. Um, they sort of tend to play in a in a kind of four two three one formation. Pochettino in particular, 
yeah. um, was kind of commended for bringing through or at least developing younger players like Spurs, you know, the, the evolution of um, Deli Alley under Pochettino, who's pretty imperious, Deli Alley. Mm, yeah, he was. And Eric Dyer as well, uh, who's doing well now under Conte. So is it of the, of those three, I mean, as I say, Pochettino seems to be kind of the leading candidate in terms of the, mm. perhaps the likelihood of that happening. But is is there any one of those three that you think might suit our squad? Well, I think you know Pochettino is the 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 name there that sticks out to me. I think I, th- I look at Tuchel and I think I just can't, I couldn't imagine him going to uh, to, to Villa. Um, I don't know why. I just sort of see him going I, back I think, to Europe. I think and holding. I think out the, for the, him. the problem with, I have with Tuchel is is throughout his career he's always had uh issues in terms of um uh his sort of aggression towards officials um referees out and the board as well he falls out falls with, out with the board the i mean this yeah. that's why he left um dortmund in the end was because he, he fell out with the board over a variety of issues and then at psg um there were rumors of him not particularly getting on with Kind of the the kind of sort of the big name players that they have there. Well, I mean, that would seem to be well. Same yeah, the I mean, guys, PSG, like, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, that seemed although he got to obviously the Champions League final with them. Um, yeah. it never felt like a the best mix because I think Tuchel is very very um demanding and you know if you're if you're uh, if you're a very influential player you might not respond well to a manager like that. You kind of need someone to kind of coax your ego a little bit so that never worked out but then at Chelsea you know he won the Champions League he won the Super Cup there he yeah. won he got to the final of two FA Cups uh, the two FA Cup finals um, so you know in, in, in a short spell at Chelsea he, he did do very well mm-hmm. but I just don't know whether you know he, he seems to be a manager that's managed three very big clubs in Dortmund, PSG and Chelsea I, I can't see his career deciding to that are a big club but we're not in the Champions League. We're, we're, we're not. We're, you know, we're not competing in the Champions League, are we? So and I've, I've got a feeling he. I'm not sure how long for the world Bayern's manager is. Uh, they're a bit hit and miss in the Bundesliga this year, and obviously their aim is the Champions League. And if they don't win that, I could imagine Tuchel being someone that they perhaps turn to. Even though, as you say, his issues with it seems to be after a couple of years, he seems to have a bit of a running record of falling out with the board and that kind of thing. Um, so, but I mean, obviously, if you wanted the job, God Almighty, yeah, you, you all right, take it. Uh, yeah. very exciting. But I think, yeah, Pochettino is the one that you look at and think that would be a transformational moment for Aston Villa. A massive, massive, a big name, really. You know, this guy, a Champions League finalist recently, he led Tottenham from, you know, uh, they had been in the Champions League previously with under Harry Redknapp, but you'd say Tottenham were a team that. They could easily have fallen away, you know. They're they're not. They've been on a par kind of with Tottenham, with Everton and Villa for a long time. Mm. Yeah, people forget this. Like they're now they're part of the big six and all this, but they very recently they were absolutely par with Villa and Everton. And yeah, yeah. They were the one who kind of broke through into that top four. Um, survived the Man City attack really when they started buying all the big players lots of players from different teams in uh, 2010 era and then uh, Pochettino came in and he was the man who ensured that they didn't sort of go on any kind of decline and um, instilled a style on them that was really distinctive and obviously an excellent talented manager. They absolutely improved under Pochettino. Obviously, before him, you had Redknapp, who helped them get into the Champions League places in the, in the first place. Yeah. Pochettino consolidated it, but also, you know, let's not forget they finished 
I keep forgetting they didn't finish runners up, runners up to Leicester because they were neck and neck until literally the final day of the season yeah. when Arsenal pit them to second. Yeah. So they finished they finished third that season, but were second Spurs all the way. Yeah. Um, they were the ones who were the closest to uh, beating Leicester to the title in that remarkable season. And in the following season, they did finish second. Mm. Um, and then the season after that, they obviously had their incredible run to the Champions League final with that amazing game against Ajax that stands out for me. But yeah, the, I mean, they had... He developed an amazing squad. If you're talking about, you know, obviously Kane really come came to the fore under under Pochettino. Really, that's when he mm. developed into a superstar. Um, Ali was unplayable. You know, I remember that goal he scored against Crystal Palace. I mean, that was sort of what he could do at that mm-hmm. at that stage in his career. And then you had, you know, Eric Dyer was coming through. You had players like even like the wing backs, Danny Rose and, and Kieran Trippier were just yeah. excellent full backs under him. A, a Victor Wanyama in centre mid was was a you know a bit of a powerhouse. So, you know, they were they were an elite level club under him, really. Brilliant. And then they had that strange tail off. I think I think it must have been a psychological thing. I think as soon as as soon as you know they they lost the Champions League final trying to get up again mm. to compete at that you know high-end level with the players that he had obviously he wanted to freshen the squad up i think it was it was that time when it was coming to an end with those players yeah um and then you could argue perhaps the money wasn't there because they just redeveloped the stadium so it just you know that, that happened and then under psg okay you know he was only there for really over over a year but he still won the league i mean inevitably everyone knows wins the league with psg yeah. but Again, I think he's just struggled to to manage that club because it's a bit of a, as you were saying, it's a bit of a crazy club, isn't it? So, you know, you can't really look at that as 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 a failure per se. So, yeah, I mean, if he could recreate any of that with with Villa, and, and don't forget, before Spurs, he he did really well with Southampton. Yeah, he I did. He finished eighth in his first full season there. Um, had some brilliant players under him. I think they got their their highest ever Premier League total under his management. Um, you know, a really, really good team there. And then and before that, Espanyol, who used to play for, he um, sort of consolidated them as a club, helped them, steer them away from relegation. So at every club he's been at, he's he's had success yeah. in whatever way you want, to, you want to clarify it. So, yeah, I mean, he would be, for me, the number one candidate. But it's just a question of can... Obviously, we, we want Villa to do well now. I genuinely, I, I would be happy for Gerard to stay if he turns it around. You know, that's what we all yeah. want. We want success for Villa. But if he doesn't, then, you know, do you think we could convince him of our ambition and well, the project and, and all the rest of it? Okay, so the, the report on Pochettino came out. It was, I think it was in the Daily Telegraph and I think it was a couple of, you know, like the John Percy. and It was Matt Law, I think. Matt Law, um and so these are serious that's it that these are serious journalists this isn't just you know some joker on twitter you know spreading rumors this is obviously there's something to this it depends where he is really it's even in just his life where you know he can take probably he can probably wait around for a job like a real madrid right he, he probably could wait for that um and you know, Tottenham if Conte wasn't long for this world. But the problem is, like, you know, the longer it goes and drags on, you, you your name, you sort of get forgotten about slightly yeah. sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes those jobs don't come up. Um, you know, Juventus is another one, but their financial issues, I think, might prohibit him from going to the level he wants to. And, and the problem is, like, he's just been in, like, the, the biggest 
drama in the world at PSG. You know, it's like a relentless drama at that place. Mm. Um, and, you know, would he look at Villa and maybe see it with kind of comparable to when he maybe started at Tottenham, um, thinking there's a solid squad here. There's some really good youth players. There's a really strong academy with players mm. that will just keep coming through every year. Um, and uh, two owners who have a lot of money and clearly are willing to financially back this team to go somewhere. I think it definitely is an offer that is one that he could see as very attractive. And ultimately, you know, if he goes to a Real Madrid, he's going to have to deal with all the crazy pressure again. Whereas if he goes to Villa, like he's kind of probably going to get a free pass for like yeah, he, he, a long he, time. He, and... He'd be able to call the shots, wouldn't he? He would have ultimate yeah. control over everything, which again is what he's he's always wanted to do as a coach. You know, at, at, uh, at Spurs and at Espanyol as well, he he was looking at the youth team and 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 trying to get the youth team to play in the same way as the first team. Like he was mm. always very keen to create that pathway. And and you know we've talked often on the show about our our strength in terms of our academy and our young players. Hmm. I think that I mean that's that would be ideal. I think it, as you say, I think our academy would really appeal to him. As we mentioned many times, the the development of Villa Park. You know, clearly the owners yes. have, have have high ambition for where this club is going to go. We just need, and um, the squad is good. We just it could be. I feel like we're I feel like we're so close to achieving something impressive. But we're just missing that piece, and and you know that piece could well be that piece could well be Pochettino. But it's but it's it's whether it's whether they would give him money to spend. I, I think as well another sticking point would be money to spend. I think he'd, yeah. he'd demand like Gerard, he would demand money to spend uh, in the transfer market. So yeah. I don't know if we're committed to that. Yeah, and he's a versatile tactician as well. You know, over the years I've seen him four two three one four three three. I've seen I remember Tottenham going to a back three, and that worked for them. I remember him playing four one two one two. Um, so he's clearly he's, he's a smart tactician in a way that, let's face it, Gerard hasn't really proven himself to be at all at, at Villa. Mm. Um, and I do think that it were Pochettino to turn up, I, I feel like it would be such a, um, a, a, as I said, transformational, such an exciting moment at Villa. Um, the players would be energised. I'm sure he'd, he'd probably, he, I'd, I'd trust him to work out a way to play with this front with our attacking players in a way that Gerard currently hasn't done. Well, we've got, we've got a good South American contingent there, which I'm sure would be quite happy to have an Argentine uh, take over. Well, yeah, yeah, we do actually. Yeah, um, Emmy Buendia would probably be, you know, he's probably praying at night for, for Pochettino <laughs> to come in. We might finally start regular games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so, I mean, so yeah, I, I just guess it depends where he's at. And, you know, I, I, you know, you assume he'd get paid more at a team like a Real Madrid and realistically, he could aim for a job with them. It's just, you know, whether he, he wants to go through all that again or whether indeed he is just hoping that Tottenham comes up again. But, you know, would it, it would it be wise to go back to Tottenham? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's You should never go back and all that. Uh, Ancelotti did it around Madrid and it worked out for him. You know, he went back and won mm. the Champions League. Um, I'm just not sure... Uh, I, I think it's a bit of a gamble, just just expecting that Conte will quit at the end. Well, of the this season. is the what thing. if he doesn't? You know, yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, Conte, Conte has a reputation of sort of blowing up 
when you might least expect him to. Um, but at the moment, he seems very secure in his job. He seems pretty happy with how things are going at Spurs. And they're they're they're, they're, they're pushing for the title at the moment. Tottenham, yeah, look at them in the they've, table. They've got a they've got a real shot this season, I think. Um, no. So. Yeah, so like you know, why would he? Why would he leave that? He's not. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. And as you no. say, the long, the longer Pochettino leaves it in in hope that you know a manager at a massive club leaves and 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 all of a sudden he's kind of number one on the list in terms of you know the shortlist. Then yeah. then you know he's going to start dropping off the shortlists because because you can't wait around forever. So yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. I think my reservation on it all. I, I mean, look. I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Um, it, I, I definitely think Villa have um, the good, the right ingredients there to be something. And and if a manager wants to take on a big project like to get a team challenging for top four, Villa's a good bet. Um, but uh, you know, I, I do wonder: have we already sort of put the feelers out and approached him? And I think if he'd said yes already. I would have thought we'd have got, we'd have probably made Gerard redundant already, really. Right. Mm. But I don't know if, if maybe we get to a point of no return and lose badly at a Fulham or with Brentford or just have underwhelming results against them. Maybe the board decides, you know what, we just have to go hell for leather for Pochettino, give him everything he wants and make it an offer that's just too good to refuse. Um, mm. And I think ultimately, you know, I've said before on this podcast that Villa, manager-wise, that's what I could, you know, you look at a Liverpool, United, Arsenal, these teams just have occasionally looked out with the right manager at the right time. Um, and it's led to the them building legacies at these clubs. And I think that that's Villa's key problem in the last sort of 30 years has been that we've never just quite stumbled upon that manager. We've never quite got, a Pochettino that just is there for a long time and drags us well at the table, regularly competing there. You know, there's been brief moments under managers like Ron Atkinson and Martin O'Neill, but it, it just nothing sustained. And um, I think we just, if we could just get a manager who, and potentially that would be a Pochettino who could do that, then it, it'd be um, a massive moment for Villa, I think. But I won't get my hopes up, but you know. Who, who who says it won't happen? Who says it can't happen? Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Linsky. Catch you later, Frankie. In a bit, George. Up the villa. Up the villa. And it is goodbye from me too. We will be back again to review uh, the Fulham game. Could be an interesting one, that one, as we said. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>